Hi there, and welcome. You're listening to the Stories from a Quest to Live Happier podcast, and I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and in this podcast, I share my stories and my lessons I've learned and I continue to learn on my quest to live happier. This podcast is produced every week-ish, and the show notes can be found at live-happier.com backslash podcast, and this is episode 30, What's Underneath Your Procrastination? So I'm really excited about today's topic because it was introduced to me, it was suggested to me, I should say, by a listener to the Quest to Live Happier podcast, which is exciting that I have a, um, someone made a request. (laughs) I have fan mail, very fun. Um, And so I really wanted to talk about what's underneath your procrastination, because I think a lot of times we get so um, caught up in beating ourselves up about procrastination and really hammering ourselves. And I even recently had a client who came into her session with this heavy sigh and was just like, I just need to get motivated. She went on to talk about how procrastination had really become her MO when she was just really great at procrastinating and she just wanted to get past that. She had this long list of stuff she wanted to accomplish and her motivation was just really short. And so it really got me thinking about that. You know, this lament is a frequent one for my clients. Maybe you can relate. There's a lot you want to do, you should need to do, you desire to do, you know, to accomplish in your life. And at the end of the day, you just feel lazy and kind of stuck in a rut. So what are you supposed to do? You do what we all do. You set a goal, you set up a reward system, and you hammer yourself into submission. Because somewhere we've learned that the harder we are on ourselves, the more productive we will be. And the problem is that over time, that idea usually fails. We aren't more productive the harder we are on ourselves, because why would we be? You know, goals are great, they're fantastic, they inspire us to do new things and accomplish tasks and live our dreams. So it isn't the goal that's the problem, it's our approach to the goal. So I'm going to go with an easy example, and I use this one a lot, but but exercising and working out is something almost all my clients want to add more of to their life. And so I'm going to do the goal of you want to walk 30 minutes every day. So that's the goal we're going to be talking about for the rest of this podcast. Here's rule number one. Telling yourself how much you suck is not motivating. And that's so often what we do. You know, goals are fantastic, but when we set a goal and attempt to get us to feel like we suck less, it's really hard to motivate ourselves. So pay attention to how you talk to yourself around a goal. When you set a goal to fix yourself or because you're broken, it usually doesn't go over real well. But when compassion is mixed in there, that's when it gets a little better. So the goal to walk 30 minutes a day is a great goal. Good for your health, it's good for your heart, but your motivation for doing it, you tell yourself, is because you're fat and you're out of shape and you need to get in line or you're going to be old and decrepit. You know, your motivation is coming from a place of lack. It's not coming from a place of of compassion. So that's a hard message to get motivated around because telling yourself that you need to take a walk so because you're fat and out of shape, you're just going to be like, okay, well, I'm already fat and out of shape. Why should I walk? The message doesn't really motivate you. It keeps you stuck. So changing a habit to walk every day for 30 minutes a day is a hard habit to change when the whole time you're telling yourself how fat and out of shape you are. So what are you supposed to do? Well, I have two questions I want you to ask. One is, ask yourself, why is this goal important? And then I want you to dig for the answer. Your first answer is probably going to be a little negative because I'm fat and I'm out of shape and walking 30 minutes a day is what they recommend will probably be your first answer. 
Then I want you to dig a little deeper. What's the more personal answer? How does this goal of walking 30 minutes a day fit your values? Well, because I want to be able to play with my kids or grandkids and not be out of shape. Because we're headed to Disney World and I want to enjoy my time and not worry about walking. Because I enjoy being outdoors and I kind of miss exercise. Because I feel better when I move my body. You know, when you dig deep, you unearth the real motivations that fit your values. And these motivations can then be used when you're full of excuses for not doing the walk. The second question I want you to ask yourself is why you don't want to do this goal. So this question is a little harder, and I know it sounds counterintuitive, but trust me, again, you're going to dig deep. So an easy answer for this one is because I'm fat and I'm out of shape and walking is going to be hard and painful at first. But I want you to keep going. What else is underneath that? And some answers might be because I'm afraid to have all that time just to let my thoughts wander. What if I fail? What if I don't feel any better? Well, I don't want to get up early because I lack enough sleep already. And walking, that's just not enough. I need to be doing more than just walking. I need to be strength training and I need to be running. And walking is just too easy. So by asking why you don't want to do this goal, you start noticing your resistance. And when you pay attention to the resistance, you can deal with that in a productive way. This step is so often the part we miss. We diminish our resistance and we simply try to will ourselves out of it. We tell ourselves, I shouldn't feel any resistance because this is a great goal. But when resistance steps up, that's where grace and compassion come in. When you can pay attention to the resistance, you can set goals that are accomplished based on where you are right now. So for example, let's say you resist waking up and immediately heading out the door to walk. So you decide you're going to walk during your lunch break. And then you decide, well, it's getting hot. I don't really like walking during my lunch break because it gets too sweaty and I don't really want to be doing that. So you decide you're going to start walking after dinner every night. And then that happens and you get kind of busy and it gets darker at night and you're like, oh, this isn't really working. I need to go back to maybe getting up first thing in the morning or maybe doing it at lunch now that it's getting cooler in the year. So paying attention to when am I going to be doing this? When? What is the resistance that's popping up that's keeping me from doing it? And what pivotal changes do I need to make to keep the goal moving? You know, maybe it's I'm going to walk 15 minutes at lunch and 15 minutes before dinner so I don't get super sweaty and I have time to spend with the kids doing homework. Or, you know, if you're afraid of letting your thoughts wander and you get anxious about all that, then pick out a few podcasts or books on tape that you can listen to that help reel that in and keep your brain occupied with something else. So when we look at resistance, we can then create a goal that fits us. They aren't as narrow or fixed, and our goals have a more expansiveness to them. The question also opens up to what lies underneath the goal. The fear of failure, the fear of the fear of fear of success, the fear of change in general. Aware of our resistance, we can give ourselves more grace and compassion as we embark on a change. That's the big thing. We can say, "Yes, I might fail," and a fear of change is okay. And I'm gonna be keep putting one foot in front of the other despite the fear. So I do have a final reminder about these two questions. And when I say the word compassion, for a lot of people that brings up, oh my gosh, if I give myself compassion, I won't do it. I'll just stay in bed. Well, here's the thing that is misunderstood about compassion. It doesn't mean you always get a pass. The opposite of beating yourself up for not walking isn't not walking. 
The opposite is walking while honoring that it's uncomfortable and hard. Compassion means you honor where you are. So you honor that you don't want to get up. You honor that you're afraid of failing. You honor the voice in your head that says how much you suck and you kindly ask it to move along. And when you do that, it makes getting up out of bed that much easier because what is meeting you on the other side isn't some mean bully telling you how much you suck, but rather a loving, kind friend telling you, hey, come on, I know this is hard, but we can do it. We got this. Beating yourself into submission and calling it motivation will not work. It will lead to procrastination. The only way to change your behavior is to honor what comes up and move through it. And as I said to my client, you don't need more motivation. What you need is more compassion. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't give just a couple easy um, things that I use to kind of move through that resistance in an easy way. One of them is the compassion, obviously, the way I talk to myself. But it's also simple tricks like I, I... encourage myself to do the activity for five or 10 minutes. So I'll say, okay, you just need to walk for five minutes today, or you just need to roll out the yoga mat and maybe do some stretches, or you just need to make one phone call on your list of phone calls, or you just need to um, write for five minutes, just write anything for five minutes you want to. And so giving myself that easy five to 10 minute entry point into whatever it is I'm feeling resistance around Sometimes I just ride for five to 10 minutes, but sometimes it really inspires me to keep going once I get moving. The other tip I have is to, I have a lot of times for me, I get into analysis paralysis. So I keep thinking, what's the best way? What's the best way? And so I never move forward. And so I have a rule that I'll tell myself, you have to be decisive. Today is a decisive day. And so I have to pick yes or no, I have to move forward. And if I don't know the answer, that's okay. That means I need to ask for help. So I either need to make a decision, yes or no, or I need to ask for help and how to best move forward. And so that gets me out of that analysis paralysis procrastination piece. Because a lot of times what's keeping us there is the desire for perfectionism. And we don't want to ask for help. We don't want to admit we don't know. And a lot of times we just giving ourselves the permission, I either have to say yes or no, or ask for help makes that go away a lot easier. Okay, so I hope that was helpful in giving you some easy ways to move through procrastination and kind of pay attention to what is going on underneath because underneath procrastination is really where the good stuff is. (laughs) That's where the resistance is and that's where we can start moving forward. Okay, now it is time for the segment of the show called the Weekly Ritual Challenge. One thing that has really helped me live happier is adding regular ritual practices to my daily life. So each week, I'm going to be sharing a ritual with you and challenging you to complete it. This week's ritual is called engaging in an evening ritual. And the reason I wanted to do this one is for a lot of us, we have a morning ritual. Even if that's just brushing our teeth and making coffee, we kind of ease into our mornings a little bit. But our evenings, we tend to just shut ourselves down. You know, we work and work and work and work, or we watch TV until we're just ready to fall asleep, and then we fall asleep. And then research has shown that when we don't engage in an evening ritual and allow ourselves some time to fall asleep, that in the middle of the night, we wake up 
and we are wide awake and we have this insomnia where we're kind of flipping through everything in our head that we have everything in our head that we have to do, you know, it becomes a problem. And one of the ways to deal with that is if we engage in an evening ritual. You know, it always amazes me when we, when we put our kids to bed, we read to them and then we do bath time and we do all these long engaged rituals almost every night. But with ourselves, we don't do anything like that. So kind of that's the kind of the mindset I want you to get in. What can you be doing in your evening that's similar to how you put your kids to bed? So here are some examples. Turn off all electrical devices for the last 30 minutes before you go to bed. Light a candle. Dim the lights. Enjoy a cup of herbal tea. Silently name or write down the five things you were grateful for that day. Stretch. Read a book. Implementing any of those, I guarantee you, will help you sleep better and relax and ease into your, your evening in a much happier, stress-free place. Okay, that's the show. Thanks for listening. The Stories from a Quest to Live Happier podcast comes out every weekish. I try to do every week, but it doesn't always happen. If you have questions or suggestions for topics, please email me at nancyjane at live-happier.com or send me a tweet at Nancy Jane. And until next time, here's to living happier.